Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. All right, so uh, let's jump in. Again, Psalm 103, 11 and 12 will be our main scriptures. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm getting a phone call. I've got to take this. It's my buddy, Scam Likely. Does he call you too? Scam, what's up, man? It's been, what, 25, 30 minutes? Yeah, 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 appreciate that. Oh, extended warranty. Yeah, I definitely was thinking about that. Um, yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. No problem. Hey, if you want, I'll buy another car even so we can get an extended warning on that one. What do you think? All right, cool. All right, talk to you. Don't call me for the next hour or so, all right? And then uh, I, I know you'll call like several times tomorrow too. All right, thanks. Appreciate it, bud. All right, so I, I didn't turn it off. That could be dangerous. But anyway, uh, so the reason I did that little corny sketch is because we know that there are salespeople out there, and they get a bad name because... We've had experiences with salespeople that are out for themselves. You know, they're selfish. They're just out for the bottom line. But then there's another kind of salesman, too. It's a good salesman, someone who cares about the customer, someone who believes in their product. And actually, they're the ones who do better with their bottom line, and they build relationships, and they're able to serve their customers. Now, as we get into uh, tonight's Scripture. I'm not saying that King David is necessarily being a salesman here, um, but in a way, he is. And when you think about it as well, what is the best kind of advertising? It's word of mouth. Uh, even before there was Google, it was word of mouth. And even with Google, you can leave a review, so it's still word of mouth in that way. And, um, you know, so that is definitely, you know, something that, you know, to think about, because when you think about what David talks about in a lot of the Psalms, he's always talking about, Lord, we praise you. Lord, we, we are going to tell everyone, proclaim the wonderful works that you have done. It's that word of mouth, because God is so good and so awesome that you can't help but tell everyone what he has done in your life. And, of course, that's what happens with us, too. It's that love that God gives us that overflows out of our hearts and out of our mouths (laughs) and onto the Internet and and wherever else that we might have influence Um, because of that. Again, not necessarily word-of-mouth advertising, but at the same time, it's the same kind of thing. You know, when you have a great product that you... I love my iPhone, so I'll tell you all about my iPhone if you like. And, you know, I'm a kind of a gadget guy, so those are the kinds of things I like to talk about. But if you have a product that you really like, you can't help but tell people. When you have a God who loves you so much, who has changed your life, I was a mess. Yeah, I'm still kind of a mess. And you can't help but tell people about that. And so that's part of what we're talking about tonight in Psalm 103. Um, in fact, I did pull up this scripture. I almost forgot to mention it. Psalm 9 verses 1 and 2 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. And again, that's we can't help but do that just out of the overflow of our hearts because God has been so good to us. Now, let's turn to Psalm 103 and take a look at... Uh, Uh, verses 1 and 2, 
before we get into our main scriptures for tonight to sort of set the stage. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. The author of Psalm 103, like so many of the Psalms, is King David, a man after God's own heart. Can you imagine that God would talk about you throughout his word, that you are a, God, uh, that you are a man after his own heart, and that was King David. Uh, even though he made some big mistakes, especially towards the end, still a man after God's own heart, who wrote many of the Psalms, including the one that we're going through tonight. And in Psalm 103, David goes through a laundry list. What's a laundry list? When you do your laundry, do you actually make a list? I don't know what that means. Anybody? It just, I, it just, it, it just struck me funny when I wrote that. A laundry list. I don't know. I've never done a laundry list. Where'd that come from? Anyway, um, a laundry list of God's benefits in Psalm 103. So let's just do a couple bullet points on those. Um, in Psalm 103, David mentions that God forgives your iniquities. That's pretty good. Heals all your diseases. He's slow to anger. And he remembers that we are dust. This is who God is and how he is towards his children. So who are the children of God? It really bugs me when I see the way the devil lies about God's children. Has anyone here seen Evan Almighty? Good for you. <laughs> I, did, I missed Evan Almighty, but I saw Evan Almighty too. It's about two hours I'll never get back. And uh, I'm watching Evan Almighty, too, and you've got, what, you've got uh, Morgan Freeman, who's playing God, and Steve Carell, who's playing Evan. And Morgan gives Steve a children's book to read. So this is a children's book from God, supposedly. And in the children's book, and I got really upset when, when they, so he turns the page and says, and God has seven billion children. Well, I'm sorry. God does not have seven billion children. You are not born a child of God. <laughs> you are born again into being a child of God, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But, um, you know, that's just what Satan, as Pastor Ben says from, from this pulpit many times, the lie of Satan is that there are many pathways to heaven, that you're all right just the way you are. No, you're not. If you're not in God's kingdom, if you haven't, accepted his son as your Lord and your Savior, you are not a child of God uh, until you accept God's gift of his son. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, meaning Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe his name. And we'll get uh, more into that a little bit later, but back to the laundry list in Psalm 103. Please read it, the whole thing again when you get a chance. It's one of my favorite psalms uh, and one of the all-time great psalms, and that's saying something. There's 150 of them. It's in the top 100 at least. I'm just kidding. Probably 10 for me, top 10 probably for me. So I want to hone in on my favorite verse, and that's really where this sermon came from because Pastor Ben's like, well, what do you want to preach on? Well, my favorite verse is Psalm 103.11. So how about Psalm 103.11 and 12? So that's where we are. So let's read. My favorite verse and the one that goes after it. Psalm 103.11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. 
And verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So in the next, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, we'll see. I want to talk about, if you're taking notes, God's mercy towards you and towards me. The fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of all wisdom, and we'll explain what the fear of the Lord means a little bit. It's not as scary as you might think. And the miracle of our salvation and the removal of our sins. So in Psalm 103.11, David is using a metaphor. He's making a direct comparison between the highness of heaven and the greatness of God's mercy towards you and towards me and for those who fear him. So before I jump into how high the heavens are, what does David mean by mercy? So I think most of his most of us have learned, and rightly so, that mercy is unmerited favor. You did not deserve it, but God gave you his mercy, even though you didn't deserve it. Uh, I actually looked it up in the dictionary. I had to dust it off and get it out of the bookcase. No, I went online. Uh, the Merriam-Webster, Merriam-Webster is still online. I guess they modernized. Anyway, uh, they define mercy as compassion or forbearance, shown especially to an offender, remember that, especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power, also lenient or compassionate treatment. So great, now I have to look up forbearance. So compassion shown especially towards an offender. Did you know that God is eternally offended at sin? Yeah. He's holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. Sin can't exist in his presence. It just burns up. Uh, so he is eternally angry at sin. He's eternally against sin. He's eternally not sinful. Uh, he can't sin. He's not sin. His very nature is not sin. And uh, so how big of a deal of a verse is this, Romans 5.10? Remember, unmerited favor, compassion or forbearance, especially shown to an offender. Romans 5.10 says this, and this may surprise some of you. For when we were enemies, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Before you became a child of God, You were his enemy, it says here. If you are not a child of God, you are his enemy. So when Evan Almighty, two, don't watch it. Like I said, two hours of my life, I won't get back. The lie of Satan is you're fine the way you are. You're a child of God. You are not a child of God until you accept his gift. Until then, you're an enemy. We were all enemies. And, um, you know, when we were enemies of God, we were giving in to Satan's wiles. We were celebrating sin. We were enjoying our sin, uh, you know, and me included, of course. Uh, I've got stories. They're not uh, uplifting at all. So I just want to tell you maybe a couple of my weaknesses, maybe just probably one, really a big one. I like to drink. Oh, my goodness. And I, I could probably still be tempted, but... Thankfully, um, I don't do that anymore. But, man, I used to drink a lot. And I used to be a functional drunk, you know. And I would come home every night. I would drink probably a half, about a half a fifth of whiskey every night or half of of, of vodka. Just insane. It almost killed me. 
And it certainly affected a lot of my relationships in an adverse way. Friendships. Probably could have done better at work, too, you think? Um, probably a big reason why I'm divorced, uh, to be honest with you. And here, so here I am running around as an enemy of God, you know, ruining my life and slowly killing myself. But miracles do happen. Amen to that. And so a changed life, you know, I've got other things he's still working on me with. I mean, none of us are perfect uh, and probably won't be. But, you know, the cool thing is, you know, when you hear a story like that and, um, you know, we get to encourage each other. And as we hang around each other, we get to influence each other in a godly way. And that's really good and it's really important. So miracles. You know, people complain these days. Uh, you know, miracles just don't happen like they used to in the book of Acts, for example. Or, you you know, you just have people that are always seeking after miracles or they complain that miracles don't happen. And I just would like to like to correct you on that because when you are saved, when you are translated, moved, switched, converted, born again into God's kingdom, he gives you his Holy Spirit as a deposit, the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, that will raise you from the grave. You don't think that's a miracle? God seals his spirit, his Holy Spirit, with your spirit? You don't think that's a miracle? And, uh, you know, if the Lord tarries and we aren't harpazoed out of here any minute, uh, he'll do the same uh, for us someday as far as being raised from the dead. So we'll either be raised from the dead or we'll be harpazoed, which I love that. <laughs> um, I didn't know what harpazo was until Pastor Ben started talking about it. I thought it was one of the Marx brothers, but I don't know. Um, so he gave us the right to be called his child and an adopted son, not just an adopted son, but with full sonship. You know, when I join a new small group at a new church or something, and I've done this several times, and you know, you kind of go around the room and everyone introduces themselves, and they get to me, and I'm like, hi, I'm Mike, and I was born at a young age in California. And uh, my favorite color is green, and I'm God's favorite. And they look at me, I'm like, who, who are you, God's favorite? And I'm like, no, 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 tied with all y'all and with Jesus. Because when you become God's child, you are his favorite, tied with his son, who is first fruits, And he loves you just as much as he loves his son. You become an adopted son, an adopted daughter, with full rights of the kingdom of God. It is a miracle every time. And get this. Every time someone comes to Christ and becomes part of God's forever family, the Bible says that there is rejoicing in the presence of angels. So, you know, sometimes you hear that preached and it's like, ah, oh, the angels are celebrating. Well, who's in the presence of angels? Yes, other angels and Jesus and God the Father. They're having a party every time someone gets saved. So it is that important. So God's mercy is amazing. As high as the heavens, you might even say. I think uh, David mentioned that. So just how high are the heavens? I'm going to get a little too literal here for the next few minutes, probably. So why does David, why does David say heavens with an S? So if you um, have, I guess the King James Version says heaven, but Pastor Ben said, you know, in the Greek, it actually means plural heavens. 
But most other versions, I use New King James. Small wars are fought in churches over the, over the version they use. But anyway, um, I use, I like the New King James, but your version probably says heavens with an S, so go ahead and circle that S if you're taking notes or underline it or uh, put an exclamation point. I don't know, whatever you like to do. So why does it say heavens, plural? I thought there was just one. Well, I'm glad you asked. There are actually three. So let's go and talk about the first heaven. So the first heaven, sky above our heads, maybe up around 60,000 feet. Uh, in meteorological terms, this is known as the troposphere. And, uh, you know, this is where the birds are, you know, airplanes, kites perhaps, clouds, dust storms. Most of where the earth experiences its weather is in the troposphere. Uh, you know, those Walmart bags, cotton trees, that's part of it. So 60,000 feet sounds pretty high up, right? I mean, that's 10 miles, maybe 11 miles, somewhere in there. So that itself would be decent mercy. Could you, you, could you imagine, you know, God's, God's mercy is as high as the first heaven towards you? You know, 11 miles, that's pretty good mercy. That's probably more mercy than I have for the guy on 50th doing five under. So, I mean, that's pretty good. But there's an actually much higher heaven, the second heaven. And I really geek out on this stuff. Science was like my favorite subject in school, and astronomy, especially when I got to about sixth grade. So the second heaven, that's where the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies and the quasars and the black holes and the dark matter, Oort clouds, and just vast, 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 unimaginable distances. And God has given man so much of his image that we've gotten really, really good at exploring this. Of course, the more we find, the more we know what we don't know because God is just so big. So check this out. When I was in high school, 1977, they launched Voyager. I don't know if any of you were alive then. So a couple people here probably remember Voyager taken off, and it's like, wow, Voyager is going to go to Jupiter or whatever it was going to do. I think it was Jupiter. Well, it kept going, still going today. In fact, just recently, in the last few years, Voyager finally left the solar system. Ten billion years since 1977, which is what, 23 plus 21, carry the one, 44 years ago. 44 years to go. 44 years, and Voyager just left the neighborhood. That's how big just the solar system is. Now, when you think about the rest of space, it's so vast that we have to measure it in light years, right? Uh, uh, light travels at 187,000 miles per second, seven and a half times around the Earth in one second. And uh, that's almost six trillion miles in a year. So how high is the second heaven? We really don't know. Last time I checked, the furthest, farthest, furthest, farthest object that we've observed in, the, in our, our known universe is 13.4 billion light years away. So pull out your phones and the calculator. No, actually, it's not going to work on your phone calculator. 13.4 billion years times 7 trillion is whatever it is, 6 trillion miles. So um, that's how high the second heaven is, and probably higher. We don't know for sure. Crazy. And you know what the Bible says? God stretches out the, cur- the heavens like a curtain. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
that huge, and it's like a curtain to God. He's like pulling back the curtains, <laughs> you know, just crazy. Psalm 19.1 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And there's another verse, and I, I meant to put it in here, but I didn't do it, um, you know, where it talks about how the heavens, basically the night sky, pours forth speech about God's created creativity and about who he is. So, and of course, David knew nothing about Voyager and any of that other stuff. They just knew the stars were way up there when he was making his comparison. Which brings us to the third heaven. Turn to 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, this is a little story from Paul, who, for some reason, refers to himself in the third person. But it goes something like this. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast. I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. So here's Paul, not boasting, of being caught up into the third heaven. Now, I wish he'd have given us more information, don't you? Um, but it says here, you know, he saw things that were unlawful to speak. So who knows what he saw? Um, but, you know, I had, um, in a really sad story, this was kind of a blessing in it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, and as some of you probably know, the reason why I came back to Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, I lived here in the 90s, early 2000s. And I came back to Lubbock, Texas because my mom was still here. And uh, she wasn't doing so well. So... Um, a way long story short, she died the weekend before the COVID lock-in, lockdown started. And uh, it was a week or so before she died. And uh, she was waking up. I can't remember if it was a nap in the morning, probably, because, you know, she, had sl- she, did, she was sleeping up through the night, but she was getting kind of weak. And she, she woke up and she said, the sky is so blue. Mom is so beautiful. She said it just like that. I'm beautiful. And I was like, Mom, you've been talking to Grandma? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what did she say? And then she wouldn't tell me anything else. It's like, I wish she'd have showed, shared more with me, too. She saw some things that were unspeakable, probably. But I believe my mom was visiting that third heaven. And Grandma was there with her. And they were in their new bodies. And I'll make you a promise. I'll introduce you to her sometime soon. All right, so how far away is the third heaven? Is it beyond the second heaven? Is it, you know, trillions and zillions of light years away? Well, the Bible talks about a veil. And so my mom, when she was saying, the sky is so blue, she was looking at the ceiling, you know. Um, So she was there even when she was still here. She was in that in-between state, so crossing over. So I can't really tell you how far away the third heaven is. Uh, it could be another dimension. Some people think that, perhaps. I don't know that it matters. 
we're going to be happy, happy, happy when we get there. That's for sure. Um, so taking David's metaphor maybe a little too literally, um, God's mercy towards us is as high as the heavens, which is pretty darn high. That's pretty unimaginably high, even just the second heaven. But there's a catch. What? Read Psalm 103.11 again. It comes with a catch. There's a qualifier. For those who fear him. Uh-oh. I knew it. Just like scam likely, there's a catch. So what does that mean? The fear of the Lord for those who fear him. In Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says here, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Joshua 24, 14. So I think Joshua's named after this guy. Uh, now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So let me ask you, who do you fear? Do you fear man? Or do you fear God? It's kind of that simple. Um, a reverential fear of the Lord reminds us that we should obey him and his commandments. But not because he'll smite us, right? Because, you know, if, if God's up in heaven and he's throwing lightning bolts at people, he doesn't miss. He does not miss. That's not the God I serve, and that's not the God I know. No, the reason why we should fear the Lord is because of the Lord loves us so much. He wants what's best for us. And sin is harmful. Sin is deadly. Uh, consider what Jesus said in the garden before he was hauled off to be crucified. In John 14, 15 through 7, well, not just 15. <laughs> John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, that uh, he's going to pray to the Father and send us a helper, <laughs> which is awesome, the Holy Spirit that we get. So another quick story about my dad. My dad's awesome. He uh, lives in Oregon. He's just turned 80 in January, so he's 80 and a half, I guess. Do you keep counting the halves when you hit 80? I don't know. But anyway, so my dad's an amazing guy. But, you know, when I was a kid, I was a good kid pretty much. Um, my brother was trouble. He was the middle child, so you know how that goes. So he got blamed for everything, even if he wasn't guilty. So I got to skate. But there was this one time, and back then, you know, we're talking 70s, you know, we had our Stingray bikes with the banana seats, you know. And uh, us kids were, I don't know, 12. You know, we got, to drive, we got to ride all over the countryside. It was great. And we lived about four miles out of town, little town of about 5,000 people. So I, I, wanted, I was in town on my bike watching baseball game. A uh, friend was playing or something. And, you know, talking and, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a people people even back then. So I didn't want to leave, and so the rule was I had to be home by dark because the country road, you know, is pretty narrow, two-lane highway, 60 mile an hour. Well, I stayed in town too long. So I'm riding my bike back home, and it's getting dark. It's kind of dark already. And so I'm going up the hill, and I see my dad <laughs> going that way. He turns around, uh, picked me up, my bike, took me home. I got a spanking. 
Was it because he hated me? Was it because he was mad at me? Was it because I didn't obey him? Well, yeah, it was because I didn't obey him. But why did he want me to obey him? Because he didn't want me to get crushed by a car in the dark on a road. Because my dad loved me. And your heavenly father loves you so much more than my dad loves me, which is that in itself is amazing. So, you know, God knows how much sin is bad for us as well. You know, I told my story about drinking earlier. You know, almost, it really literally almost killed me about three years ago. I got sepsis and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's a story. Um, but, you know, what happens to our relationships if we look at pornography? What happens to our relationships, relationships if we lie, slander, gossip? I could go on. And such were some of you, me, before God had mercy on us and started changing us. We're not there yet. We haven't arrived yet, but we've left the station. <laughs> and again, we get to encourage each other. So, you know, think about this, you know, when you become a child of God, when that miracle happens, you get a new identity in Christ. God gives you his righteousness, his very righteousness. So, you are no longer a liar in Christ. So quit lying. And all these other things that we do, that's not your identity, so don't live against what your true identity is. And repent, receive your forgiveness, do it quickly. And if you don't stop lying, what's going to happen? Well, people aren't going to trust you. And then you're going to wonder why people don't trust you. And then you're going to get angry. And then you're going to get bitter. And then it's a downward spiral. God doesn't want that for you. He knows that sin will hurt you, even kill you maybe. So fear him with the healthy fear that keeps you from sin because he does love you and he does want what's best for you. Again, identify yourself with your new identity that God has given you through Christ. Renew your mind to who God is and who you are. So what about the verse after my favorite verse? See, fearing God, that's not so bad. That's actually a good thing. So the verse after my favorite verse, Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Anybody here like mercy me? You love that song? I love that song. I'm not going to sing it. I thought about it. But anyway, you know, Jesus tell me just how far the east is from the west. I can't stand the man I've been, you know. So this is the greatest miracle of them all. The removal of your transgressions. The mercy that we talked about that led to God making right what Satan stole in the Garden of Eden. You see, we weren't always a mess, us humans. Nope. When God made us from clay and breathed life into us and into Adam, he walked with God in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. We were created to have relationship with God. And then what happened? Adam and Eve ate an apple. Well, we're not sure it was an apple. Could have been a pear. I don't know. Or maybe it was a crab apple. I don't know. That could be. Actually, that kind of makes sense. Anyway, God did not. God did say, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for you will surely die. 
And along, along comes Satan in the form of a snake, repeating the same lies he repeats to us this day. Hath God said, hath God said, did God really say that? Did he really tell you that? Let's go to Genesis 3, and we'll start in verse 1. And uh, we'll go through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die? For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, Pastor Ben was talking about just last week, the lie of the devil. You, you can be like God. Well, it's something I know for certain. There is a God, and I ain't him. So, Satan, a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Eve ate from that forbidden fruit, and she gave some to Adam, and he ate. And they passed on the blame. Adam's like, it's that woman you gave me, and the woman's like, it's the, it was the snake, and... You know, God said it all straight, of course. And they were ashamed. Sin entered the world, the original sin. It was a really bad day, man. Really bad day. So you might be thinking, why did God put that blasted tree in the middle of the garden to begin with? Well, because he gave us free will. And you don't have free will without a choice. So he had to give us a choice. And he knew that we were not going to choose wisely. Eve chose to listen to the serpent, and Adam chose to follow his wife's lead. They chose to disobey, which kind of a, a lesson here, guys. Uh, don't leave your wife alone with a snake. I'm, I don't know. It's a freebie. Um, so anyway, they did chose to disobey, and there were consequences, and they did die that very day spiritually and eventually. Sin separates us from God, but God had a plan which I'll get into in a minute. I've kind of already talked about it, but we'll talk about it some more. You see, the Bible teaches that because you were born in Adam, we're all descended from Adam, that we're born into sin and disobedience. Remember, I talked about being an enemy of God. We're born in Adam. We're of Adam. We're God's enemies. At least that when we're born into being, we're enemies. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. You were born with a sin nature, not your fault, but you sinned too. <laughs> so when you hear someone say, well, I just think deep down everyone's so good, rainbows and flowers. Wrong. That's not right. No. Your heart is evil and wicked, and I'll prove it to you. It got so bad. It got so bad. God had to nearly wipe out all of mankind in the days of Noah. That's how wicked we are capable of being and in fact have been. But there was one righteous man on the earth, and he got him and his family out. 
because God does not pour out his wrath on the righteous. Just like God got Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah before it started raining fire and brimstone. Can you imagine that forecast? Today's forecast calls for a scattered fire with some locally heavy brimstone and an isolated pillar of salt. Now here's Boston, and don't look back. God does not pour out his wrath on the righteous, which brings us back to the garden. God had a plan of salvation for fallen man since before the fall. In a minute, I'll give you an opportunity to become a child of God yourself if you're not. It is a deal that sells itself. Genesis three fourteen and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field, and your belly, you sh- on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust. Is that West Texas? Anyway, um, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See how seed is capitalized? Right there. Probably in your Bible too. Her seed is Jesus who would bruise the head of the snake but also pay a price for us. And that is why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. I tell you what, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, how, you know, there's small wars being fought over Bible versions, as if slight exaggeration. But, you know, doctrine is important, but there are some things that are not vital. But this is vital. Jesus had to be born of a virgin from the Holy Spirit because that bypassed Adam. And so while we're born in Adam and born into the sin nature, Jesus was not. Jesus, fully God and fully man, not born with a sin nature, did not sin. The only one, the only one who could pay the price for us. You know, the law required a payment. You know, the Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law. The law required a payment. The wages of sin are death. Jesus died in our place, and and you know that. But this is why that's so important. The Virgin Mary, that teenage girl of great faith, we don't worship her. She had great faith. But because Jesus was not born of Adam, he was not born with the same sin nature that we are which made him worthy. So what are the benefits? God will remove your transgressions as far as the east is from the west because his mercy towards you is higher than the heavens. How do you take advantage of such an amazing deal? All you have to do is believe in God's gift of his son's sacrifice and you are saved. Romans 10, 9. This might be my second favorite verse in the Bible. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But saved from what? If you're saved, you people throw that around all the time. Are you saved? I'm saved. Saved from what? From God's wrath that is soon coming. Did you know that Jesus is coming back? 
and he's coming back with a sword, and he's going to judge the nations. (sighs) But you know what? When God does pour out his wrath, he doesn't pour his wrath out on the righteous. He gets them out first. So let's take another look at Psalm 103, 11, and 12. See if you noticed something. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. See that? Vertical, as high as you can go. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Together, a beautiful representation of the cross where God's only son, Jesus, gave up his life so that we can be born again out of Adam and the sin nature and into God's forever family with our new identity in Christ. We receive God's righteousness as a gift. So as we close, let me ask you this. Have you taken God up on his offer of forgiveness and reconciliation? Are you born again into God? Out of Adam, are you saved from the wrath that is soon coming? Have you received the Holy Spirit as a deposit with the same resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead to raise you from the dead? Do you want a new identity in Christ and live with him forever? Well, if you said yes, then forever starts now. You don't have to wait. So wherever you are, here in the church, watching online, listening to the podcast, just say the simple prayer in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift of your only Son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he died for my sins and on the third day rose again. Thank you for your gift of salvation and for accepting me as an adopted son or daughter. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know. Uh, We want to make sure that you get a Bible. I know that uh, you'll discover that all of a sudden God's Word will start making sense. That's a thing as well. And we also want to make sure that you understand how much we love you because you are now part of our forever family. And I tell you what, this fellowship here is amazing. So we would love it if you joined us here, but you don't have to, of course, you know, if, if you have a church near you, wherever you're listening from, you know, get involved with a local body and a church that teaches the Bible, the whole Word of God, so that you can grow with uh, the Word and the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Bible says? That when someone is adopted into God's family, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. In other words, the angels and God himself. And we celebrate with you as well. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.